All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going? Who's on the show? I'll tell you. Patricia Clarkson is here. She's uh, actually nominated for an Emmy for her work in HBO's Sharp Objects, as she's nominated for the Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie Category. And she's out making the rounds, and I, and I, and I nabbed her. I didn't grab her. I got I got her to come over to my house and talk to me. So that's going to happen. How's that? Sound exciting? It was pretty exciting. She's a very charming, smart, uh, brilliant actress. And uh, you know her from a lot of things. She's one of those people. I know her from that thing. Oh, just bonk the table at your knee, Mark. It's all right. Noises don't matter anymore. It's the new age. It's the new age. Noises don't, they're not a problem. Hey, so Peter Fonda died, man. Yeah, man. Peter Fonda has passed away, and it's a it's a sad thing. He was a, a an American original, that's for sure. Nobody like Peter Fonda. He passed a, a few days ago, and I just wanted to tell you that I've reposted the conversation I had with him last year. You can get that in the uh, free podcast feed wherever you listen to WTF. Also, if you want to know more about the Fonda family. Uh, episode 1014 with Jane is still available in the feed if you want to get some more uh, some more talk about their relationship and their family. Rest in peace, if that's possible, Peter Fonda. You were uh, an angry, fighting fucker, so uh, hopefully you'll get a little rest, Mr. Fonda. Thank you for your work. I um I just talk to the dead as if I'm talking. You know, it, this podcast enters the ether. Uh, and I'm assuming that if there is a possibility that the dead are lingering, they will be in the ether somewhere. As, as soon as it hits the cloud, I don't know what the distance is between the cloud. You know, it, it's all out there. All right. Just as long as it's not mixed in with the juggernaut of hateful bullshit. That is our daily existence. The juggernaut of hateful bullshit. How's it going? Everybody. All right. Friday night. I went and took a cake. That's what they say here in the uh, secret society racket of the Los, greater Los Angeles area when you celebrate a number of years in the sober life uh, and you're in the game, in the racket, in the society, you take a cake So and somebody presents you the cake. So my buddy Jerry Stahl uh, went with me to a thing. Why am I being cagey now? And uh, I announced my my years, and I said a few words, and I blew out some candles, and we had dinner. Nice to catch up with Jerry. Uh, what else? Saturday night, did a uh, did a spot of comedy at eight twenty five. Did pretty well, pretty funny at the comedy store. And then I went to um, Sarah Silverman does a yearly rooftop party, and I haven't gone in like three years probably. I just have, I don't know what it is with me and parties, but I think I'm starting to figure it out. That party's like kind of a big deal. It's a big scene. You know, Sarah's got a lot of friends. It's a show business community party. It's on a rooftop and uh, it's it's a little overwhelming. Uh, you know, we got there and there was a sign that says you can't, you, podcasters can't ask people to be on the podcast. <laughs> Look, that's the world we live in now. 
is you go to a fancy, not even a fancy, just a casual rooftop party in Hollywood, there has to be a note, a handwritten sign that says, no asking people to be on your podcast at this shindig. And I, you know what's sad about that? It's a reasonable request. It is, you know, it, it's appropriate, and and I wouldn't have done it anyways. I might have, and I think one of the reasons, one of the reasons that I, I can't go to these kind of parties that are full of uh, the celebrity types is I get very excited to see people, and I assume that I have a relationship with them that I may not. I, you know, I, I'm sort of a fan, and there are people, sure, there's people I've talked to here in this room that I can say hi to and feel comfortable with. There's people I've known in the comedy world for years but, uh, you know, I just assume a familiarity that uh, I don't know if it really exists. And I get very excited and uh, my boundaries become porous and I'm touching people, uh, you know, not in an inappropriate way, but I'm giving hugs. I'm, I'm holding people like I saw uh, Conan O'Brien there. I gave him a big hug and we chatted a bit. I saw there was some people from the old days from me and from when me and Sarah and uh, we're back in New York way back. Todd Berry was there. The Todd Berry. Ouch. Apologize. Todd Berry, uh, Mike Ivey was there. These are the big names, folks. Dave Juskow. You know Dave Juskow? You probably don't, but he was there. Some old-timers. Fitzsimmons was there. But that, that I'm just talking about the comedian tier, and that tier even goes up. I'm standing there. Manzukis is there. I, I know him. I can touch his beard. I don't know if I can. I did. I said, how are you? I touched his beard. I, you know, I know I can touch Brett, Brett Gelman's beard because Brett, you know, Brett is Brett, you know, and he's a boundaryless person like myself, so I can give him a hug and touch his beard. I don't know if it was appropriate with Manzukis. I think this is the second time that I've questioned my behavior uh, in relation to Jason Manzukis. But I gave him a hug, I think, and I touched his beard, saw Sasha Baron Cohen, I shook his hand. He's intimidating. I don't feel that comfortable around him, but he was there. So I'm overwhelmed, and there's all these people that I kind of know, but do I know him? I saw Larry David there. I don't know Larry David. I've met him twice. He was very sociable. He's talking to Jeff Ross. By the way, this monologue is called Name Drop. This I'm doing a power name drop here because I was at this party trying to explain that uh, um, to you that I have a sort of fanage that, uh, that you know, it's, it's different because I, I am within the community. I wasn't always, but uh, I do assume a familiarity and a comfort level. Maybe it's okay. Maybe I'm just being social. Maybe I'm being too hard on myself. Don't know. But I saw Larry David. I talked to him, had a couple laughs. Jeff Ross was there. So Albert Brooks. Now, see, this is the thing with Albert. He was there, and anytime I see him, and it's only been twice, I've only met him twice. You know, I want to talk to him. I I love Albert Brooks. I love his work. I think he's one of the funniest people that ever lived. And I'd like to talk to him because I think it would be a very interesting conversation. But he's resistant. I've reached out to his manager. Nope. Doesn't want to. He's focusing on acting. Fine. Uh, I got my buddy Mike Binder that's sort of trying to get Albert to come on. Uh, they talk occasionally. Okay, fine. I've seen him twice in public and both times he says, did you bring your microphone? And I go, okay, I'm, I can't, I'm not going to ask him, but we, we had a nice talk about some other stuff for a few minutes, and that was exciting. Tig was there. Diane Keaton was there. Did not say hello. I've said to hello to her once before. That was hard. But it's, it's, it's awkward because I don't want to be rude, and I go to these parties, and I'm just looking around while I'm talking to people. Saget. Saget was there. A lot of Saget. Jonah Ray. Uh, Julia Sweeney was there. And I just get, uh, get very excited and very exhausted. Jeselnik was there, Aisha Tyler, Stephen Weber. Who else did I see? Uh, There's some people I didn't even see, but there was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty fucking exciting, folks. 
Because there's still some part of me that doesn't think we're all in the same game. I'm just like, I can't believe I got into this place. I can't believe it. I'm going to, but there's some people I love, you know, certainly the Conan. Yeah. Yep. And I think I'm going to be on his show tomorrow. I'm going to be on the Conan O'Brien show tomorrow. I know I am. I know I'm going to be. So was that a name dropping extravaganza? I feel like I'm missing a couple. I guess what I'm saying is very exciting to me to uh, to see these people that I've admired my entire life and be able to kind of talk to them and be in the same community with them. Is that okay? Can I just feel good on this Monday? I'm gonna. Did some hiking, hiked up the hill in hot weather, almost felt like, uh, felt a little heart palpies, but uh, nothing happened. Didn't go down. Got the palps, didn't go down. I know some of you are like, you shouldn't be getting palps. I know, but I always, I've always gotten them. I don't know if it's all the caffeine, a lot of tea, a lot of Assam tea. They can't all be fucking riveting, folks. They can't all be riveting. I'm a little out of it. I'm a little tired. We're starting the week here. We're getting through it, I hope. The juggernaut of hateful bullshit continues. But I just hope that, you, you know, I fucking hope people have had enough. I really do. Cooking keeps me sane. You know, I was away for a while in New York, and I, I was a little out of sorts last Monday. All week, I kind of took me a while to reconfigure. But, like, man, I got to lock down on the weekend and just cook stuff for the week, ground myself, do the grocery shopping, clean the litter boxes. My cats are getting so old. I don't know. Just, just reflecting, folks. Having an okay day. I hope your morning is good, too. I hope your week is good. Uh... Patricia Clarkson is nominated for an Emmy for her work on HBO's Sharp Objects, and she's uh, she's nominated in the Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie category. She's lovely. She's a great actress, and she's here now with me in my house. Yeah, so it's hard to maintain a passion for the industry. <laughs> when you're running around doing this, yes. right? Yeah. When you feel yourself, uh, all right, I'm going to go tell these stories, uh-huh. and I'm going <laughs> to how it's, and then you you kind of uh, you build the story as you move along, mm-hmm. and then you're happy you have something to say about the thing you're selling. Yes. Uh, by a, about that, three or four days in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's my life. <laughs> so that's that's where you're at right now. Right now. Is, is this the dream? Uh, am I living the dream? Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't you don't live here? No, I live in I live in New York. I live in the West Village. Really? Yeah. For years? Long since 1991. Yeah. Where were you before that? Um I was in still in New York, but I was living in Chelsea, and then I lived in uh, Hell's Kitchen, and I lived in uh, Brooklyn you, Heights, Brooklyn wow. Heights, Midtown. Uh, Hell's Chelsea. Kitchen, though. Yeah, I lived in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, yeah like what, in the 40s? On like 9th, 8th, 47th, and 10th. Oh, over there. And, and it was very hard to get a cab because... Yeah. I don't know if it's flattering or not, but but <laughs> cab drivers, I think, like late at night when I was going out, or do they? I thought, do they think I'm a hooker? Uh, um, 
Did they? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, they, they you certainly sometimes. weren't. You so sometimes been, wouldn't stop. You couldn't be a menace. <laughs> They're like, that That one's trouble. You know, if I was dressed up, I thought, yeah. why are they not stopping? But there were many, many, many hookers in the area. I many. remember. Yeah, on night. Many, yeah. many. Many. All the way up from the Port Authority. Yes. It's yeah. kind of rough to it, walk through that every it was day, a right? Colorful, it was a colorful neighborhood. Yeah. I, but there were very nice people in the neighborhood, great people, and a lot of artists. And it was, I, I liked living there. Yeah. So now you're out um, pushing the sharp objects thing. Yeah. This is the, and, and you're nominated. Yeah. For a thing. <laughs> for a thing. Yes. <laughs> for a thing called a thing. Yeah. yeah. You're nominated for the Emmy. <laughs> now, wait, now this is, but this is not your first nomination or it is? No. What was the last one? Uh, I won two for uh, Six Feet Under. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I should know that in my research, no, but I want you to say it. <laughs> now, was that was that exciting? Does it get, like, do you, does it, I see, like, I don't, I try not to value those things because I have won nothing ever for anything <laughs> I've ever done. Zero. But uh, does it, when you get those, do you, it does matter? Yes. <laughs> Good. No, there's no false modesty here. Yeah. Or, uh, there's no humbleness. No, yeah. no, it's really, it's nice to win. It's beautiful to win. And they're really beautiful statues. They look nice in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the important thing. Well, they're I, the, they, yes. They're they, not they, chintzy. They're they, the they real they deal. They gussy up my apartment. <laughs> they got some weight to them. <laughs> they do. Yeah. And they'll poke your eye out. Yeah. You have to be careful. Uh, they're pointy and heavy. And when they, and when people come over, you don't have to point them out. No, they just kind of gravitate they towards them. They just kind them. of look. Oh, yeah. I have them up high on a shelf. So. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. But it does it validates you in the community and in the eyes of the of people, and it makes yeah, and you feel like you know, you've uh, accomplished something. Well, it 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 also acknowledges you know the many people. You know, you don't get there alone. You get there because somebody wrote really great stuff for you. Yeah. And some great director directed you well, and your fellow actors were really good, too. Right. <laughs> you know, you never get there because, oh, my God, I was amazing. <laughs> it and was all me. And everybody else was like, you know, <laughs> high. Riding my coattails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I, I no. drove this thing. <laughs> no, you get there because a lot of great things were around you. Yeah. yeah. So, because um, I've been, uh, you know, I, I, I've been a little more involved in acting than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Do you find it like, well, you're really great at it. And uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> at 9.42 in the morning. Yes, thank Could you. Could have been 10. It was, it was supposed to be 10. Well, you're, I just got, we got, we drove, like we got here early. Like, I know you always give yourself, you know, an yeah, hour. We're, I, we were like Glendale. Yeah. But yeah. But where did it start? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up in New Orleans. Really? Yeah. I I'm I'm saying that like I didn't know that, but I kind of knew that, but yeah. I didn't want to, you know, just project that. I'm like, I know you. I don't like questions like that where yes. people tell you what. Where the, were you, yeah. yeah, you know, where they're like, you grew up in New Orleans, so you go, yes, I <laughs> yes, did. I did. <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> but uh, so it was a different city back then, wasn't it? Yes. Yes and no. Yeah. Of course, every city has evolutions and every city but has. But that city was mon- destroyed. Well, yes, uh, very much so. But. But what came back, and there's still strife, there's still struggles in New Orleans, yeah. but it is it is the city I've always known, and I was born there, and I have most of my family there. My mother ran the city. She was president of the city council under two mayors, 
Sadly, one's in jail, and the other is Mitch Landrew. And who's, she, who's the one in jail? Uh, 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 Ray Nagin. Oh, yeah. And um, anyway, but I I love my hometown, so I, I, I feel that it is... It's not back and better. It's just it's just still New Orleans. Yeah, it's still the city that is ruled by music and food and colorful people and, and corruption. Which and is, corruption, yeah. corruption is still there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like when I go there, when I've gone to New Orleans, you get there and it's it, it, it you it, there's no place like it, Mm-mm. and right away you know that you know it, and you don't know quite why. You know, it's, it has something to do with the structure of the city, the water line. The, the there, but there is well, a you're underwater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that'll do it, right? But there's sort of a, a, a murky charm to it. Mm-hmm. So when you grew up there, like your mother is involved in politics. I mean, right. ha, like, did, were you aware of the the because there's a lot of different factions well, you know, I, jockeying I grew, there. I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up in Algiers. My okay. mother was born and raised in Algiers, which is a when Bienville came down the Mississippi, he was really smart, and he settled in the two highest places yeah. in the city, the French Quarter and Algiers. Right. And But the Algiers is really the suburbs now, but it has a beautiful old section where my mother grew up. But, but it, it, the Algiers is, you know, I grew up in an you know, all-American middle class. I went to public high school. I was a cheerleader. You know, I went to public. Yeah, you know, yeah. I went to um, uh, elementary school there. And I didn't grow up like uptown or a French Quarter. Right, or, right. Um, but it was that was still a part of my life. You right. Know, because we're right across the Mississippi River Bridge. Yeah. We're still all Orleans Parish. Right. So to me, this the you know, the difference is, Became, it, it is a melting pot, this city, a true one. Yeah. And it 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 all just merged. It's all one to me. You know, Algiers, French Quarter, Uptown. Right, yeah. You know, and I have friends who live in all of those places. But in New Orleans, yeah. do you come from like some like interesting French weirdness? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> like there, no. Like there, I know there's no. like there's a world down there that. Uh, I'm not Cajun. I'm not what, Cajun. No. No. Did I you have Cajun friends? Yes, I yeah. dated a Cajun in high school. Yeah, but I didn't. I I'm not a, a, of Cajun descent. Um, I'm I'm from a, a great mixture of things. My mother is, you know, Lithuanian Jew, Spanish, and really, Lithuanian Jew, yeah. Spanish, Irish, and German. Yeah, my father's English and Scottish, but uh, but they're they're quite a combo. My yeah. mother and father, yeah, English and Scott. So how long? How many generations of your family were in New Orleans? Three. Uh, so going way back. Yes. Do you know yeah. how they got there or why? Um, yes, of course. I know their their history. The whole story. Well, pretty. Much, I mean, my my great grandmother, my bubby, yeah. fled from Lithuania. The Jewish uh, one. Yes, and on a, a pickle bubby. boat. On on a she's pickle my bubby. Yeah. <laughs> on a, boat? I swear on. And she was a seamstress, but she came through Ellis Island. <laughs> yeah. My niece found her in the records, um, and she a uh, pickle boat. Yep, and she. Uh, was a seamstress and she made a living sewing and then she met my great-grandfather Joseph Benninger who was Spanish aristocracy. Wow. And he was teaching English and taught her English in New York and they met, married and moved to New Orleans. He was an importer. <laughs> he was he imported the garbanzo bean from from, from, from uh, to, New, to New York. <laughs> He made a fortune. Your grandmother came over on a pickle boat, and your <laughs> your great great was it great great? great no, just, just great. great grandfather was a garbanzo importer. Yes, he he introduced garbanzo beans to this culture. That's the story. Yes. Wow, from Spain. 
from Mexico. Mexico. He imported it in from Mexico. Because yeah. they used to grow, there's a place called Garbanza. Yep. And I just found out that it was all Garbanzo bean farms. Yep. So that's my mother's. My mother has a great history. Yeah. And my father, my father's family is more just, you know, very white. Um, yeah. and Scottish, that's a Scottish. Scottish English. Yeah. And they, you know. Uh, Everyone knows that story. But my father's, <laughs> my father's father is uh, more of a Yankee. You know, uh-huh. He's part of the Yankee family. My grandmother on my father's side was uh, Southern. Uh-huh. So that's a great mix. Yeah. So you've it's got a, great, a little bit of everything. Yeah. But where I grew up in the, you know, I grew up in the suburbs you know, I didn't grow up in some exotic place I no, grew up I, like we live you know <laughs> I want it to be exotic I know it's not it's I'm so sorry but it was right over there but, the exotic but, part but we were in I think a very you know New Orleans even the suburbs feel European in some yeah. in some expect now did, when, when, when everything uh, happened there did uh, do you go back often do you still have family oh yeah I, I'm going home soon actually and uh, I was supposed to go home, and then Barry hit, uh, you know, the storm that really wasn't. But yeah. um, So everything got canceled. We were kind of having a, a family reunion, but it all fell apart, unfortunately. Now, so, when, when Katrina hit, did you, it was, uh, did you go back and help and I do was things? In, I was in New Orleans four days after Katrina because my oh mother my was God. still there. So General Honore got me into New Orleans. Uh, I flew into Baton Rouge. Yeah. And saw my mother. My father was still there, my mother. Um, and I helped with the first responders. I came in. My mother said, I think I was at Venice. I was at Venice For Film what? Festival with Good Night, Good Luck with uh, George oh, and Courtney, David yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was it was brutal. And I called my mother and the uh, only her phone worked and George's phones worked. And I said, you know, Mom, do you want me to come home now? And she said, hell no, I want to come see George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? No, but I, I got I got home and it was a it was it was tough. It was a really tough time. And but the city has is back. It's 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 been back for a long time. It, yeah, it recuperated quickly. Let me just get it straight. So your mom was like ran the city. She was right, but when we were older, not when we were younger. Yeah. she just was. She raised us when we were. How many she are there of you? I, there's five girls. I'm the baby of five girls. Oh my god! I know. What, <laughs> I know. Did that? Was that? My just father a, grew up in a house with six women and two female dogs, and he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of red wine later, was that, he's still alive. <laughs> was, that, uh, uh, what, was that just because they wanted a lot of kids, or was it a Catholic just, thing? Were you brought up with religion? No. My, no? My, well, my mother was raised Catholic, yeah. but my father was raised Episcopalian. Uh-huh. But they were just, they married very young. They were high school sweethearts. They were homecoming king and queen in uh-huh. high school. They were very sweet. And yeah. They've been together for 66 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come Wow, on. and they're both still around. Yes, they're both still here. They're both 83. And well, all, 84, 84 and 83. Yeah. Wow, that is young. Yeah, I'm knocking one. They're, they're very... And all your sibs? My, all my, we're all a year apart. I'm 59, my oldest sister is 65. And are, are you the only one in show business? Yes. My sisters <laughs> all have real jobs. <laughs> They're well, very accomplished women. Very, very, very. And they have raised beautiful children. I have 10 nieces and nephews, and I I, I, I wish I had given birth to, but yeah. I, I never really wanted children. You, you didn't? Yeah, no, no. 
Me neither. Yeah, you see? So you don't have children? I don't. I don't and have children. I don't, I've been through two just, wives, no children. Oh, that I, takes a certain I almost type of, had two husbands. You almost did. <laughs> but you, you avoided that, too. I did. <laughs> and don't you feel great I'm about it? I'm a free it? spirit. Yes. You know, I am, and I knew it then. And So I, you just accepted that? Yes. I mean, I've had extraordinary men in my life. I've yeah. had some incredible relationships yeah. in my life, and I value them. And right. that time I was with them. Um, but I... I'm I'm a working girl. I, lo- I love my career. I love I love just the life I have not now. And that's well. That's amazing. I, I appreciate hearing that because I did. You ever go through a period of like you know why don't I want? I I started to question it. Um, I dated a young artist, and I wondered, oh, uh, painter. What kind of artist? A, a painter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a beautiful painter. And I wondered, oh, you know. I was 38, and I mm. thought, okay, this is the, the, the marker is, you know, the, yeah. the, the wall is <laughs> yeah. going to go up soon. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, but then I realized it just wasn't, it, it wasn't something that, I, I knew it at a very young age that I didn't want children. I knew it at 14 or 15. So what was my, I just, I kind of knew who I was. Mm. Um, and maybe because I was the baby of five girls, I saw everything. I saw, I kind of got to see my sisters emerge ahead of me. I guess and, you were pretty young when the when the oldest one probably had a kid, no? No. Oh. The, my oldest sister never had children oh. either. So it's the three middle ones. Mm. But yes, my, my other sisters had, had children young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yes, I started. I had nieces and nephews by the time I was... 20 or something. Wow. Yeah. Well, that'll help. Yes. And then I thought, oh, yes, I, these are like my children, but I can give them back. <laughs> and I can leave. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Auntie's going. Yeah. I don't, for me, I don't know that I realized it until I realized it. Like there's a, there's a certain amount of societal pressure yes. and then sometimes pressure from people you're with. But I realized somewhere not, not long ago that like, I never really thought about it. It was never a priority. It was it never, never a priority. Like it was yeah. never like, I want to. Yeah, I'm working towards that. People who want them, they don't even think twice. No, it's just They're, we're doing this. It's just all, uh, such. It's in their. It's in their DNA. Yeah, and it's not in mine. So, but I have great admiration for people who can do it. Yeah, and do it. You know, well. Yeah, sure. It's, I've nothing. I think it's the hardest thing you'll ever do is to raise a kid that loves you. But don't like you're. Uh, you know, we're almost the same age now. Yeah. Don't don't you, don't you like when you talk to people in in our generation who have kids? It, it's never a totally great story. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fraught. It, and, it is. There is a lot of uh, right uh, strife. And at this age, I'm sort of like. Yeah, and I, I don't I, have that story. Right. I think I dodged a bullet somehow. Yeah. I mean, you have a cat. I have a dog. I have three. Cats. Oh my God! Okay, I have one dog. All right, yeah, <laughs> and I'm very happy. <laughs> they're fine. They, they're they're very consistent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the problems are either manageable or they're not. But yes. they're you know the, a whole life is not going to be ruined. No. no. Oh, that's good. So, so do you think that your compulsion, or I, I don't know why would I call it that, that your desire to be an actress early on was because you know being the last kid that you required a certain amount of attention that might have been not as forthcoming with the other four or however there's five well, yet I, my my grandfather that i never knew sadly yeah. he died young my mother's father was an actor it, by advocation he was a uh a high school English teacher uh-huh. and, and football coach. Right. But he was an actor. He started Nord Little Theater. And so... Where's that? Uh, in New Orleans, in oh, Algiers. Wow. Okay. Beautiful old little okay. theater. And yeah. 
So I think somehow he came, somehow his blood filtered down, and I, I think I got the desire and the want and the... And some amount of talent, I hope, from him. So, did yeah. you used to go see productions when? No, you were... he died young. I I didn't know him. He died when I wasn't. He died when my sister, my oldest sister, was just a year old. So, well, I you mean, knew about the theater. I knew, knew him. I knew of him. Yeah. Oh goodness, he's John Patrick Brechtel. He's a beautiful man. And yeah. There's a park named after him. He was a wonderful man. It's a, so your family's like sort of really dug into the fabric. fabric. Well, into Algiers, yeah. yes, in, in Algiers, yes. My grandfather was, he started Nord, which was the first, he was the first who allowed like blacks and whites to play on the same field in the city oh, wow. in the 40s. He was a really remarkable man. And um, didn't you do a movie? Didn't you, did you do the Huey Long movie? Were you in that? I did, did the Huey Long movie. And that movie. was the Sean Penn one? The Sean Penn, Yes. You know, nobody ever talks about that movie. I like that movie. It's Steve's a, Alien. It's a beautiful film, and Sean's amazing. That is that film. based on the the Robert Penn Warren book? Yes, right. It is. Yes. And and yeah, Sean's always pretty amazing. He's amazing. Now, yeah. when you when you do that movie, uh, what you know, digging into that history of, oh. of Louisiana, <laughs> what, was it like familiar to you? You're well, like a, 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 some the but legacy that, of it, but that's. Uh, you know, my mother's family, they were politically connected right. and, and you know, they knew a generation of the Longs. And they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it it's familiar to me that being, and we were shooting in, you know, a little in New Orleans, but in parts out, you know, Napoleonville, beautiful, uh -huh. places, you know, places just outside New Orleans. And, um, but it was, it, it's, it's a great story. He he was a populist, very much so. Yeah, and and uh, he had both uh, you know good and bad. Is that yes, <laughs> which is, like, is quite Louisianian. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There, um, there people is... who do good and bad. Yeah, you know, like Ray Nagin, who sadly in jail was did some very good things for the city. Yeah, and then sadly things went wrong. What? what why is he in jail? Took funds, Katrina oh, so, funds. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Corruption. Yeah. yeah well, that, well, I mean, like he was in the, the wrong era, I guess, because we're living in the most shamelessly corrupt era where it's just sort of like, yeah, do it. Don't I mean, hide it. No. Yeah. See what happens. I just know. small time grifters abound. No one's ever going to jail again. I, I guess not. I give it forever. <laughs> Only people. I'm robbing a bank on my way home. <laughs> there you go. Just say like, hey, Trump said it's okay. Yeah. Only poor people go to jail yeah. in Trump's world. No. But uh, so where, how does the acting start for you then? I just I started in high school. I had a great high school teacher, Mrs. East. And I just started acting in high school. Then I went to LSU and I... What did you learn in high school that you still use? Oh. Is there anything? Because I, I, I find that teachers are kind of amazing. I learned amazing. to dance in high school. Oh. I was a chargerette. I was like a rocket in high school. You were? <laughs> I can still kick. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, I still have a high kick. <laughs> so the, and that was for musicals or was it no, uh, for the no. games? No, yeah, we used to yeah, perform right. it. The, the drill know, team. Yeah, but we right. didn't do drills. Right. We weren't a drill team. We right. were a dance team. Right. And we'd come out in our little, uh -huh. with our hair swinging. Oh, and, boy. And we'd yeah. hook up and we'd do high kick routines. Yeah. And you, ha you could only dance if your legs hit your shoulders. Wow. So, you know, it was tough. It was yeah. Tough. And you still got it. Well, no. <laughs> now everyone knows. I want to think. I, I want to think. I still. Have. Yeah. 
And then from there you go. I went to LSU, but then I left LSU and went to Fordham and graduated ultimately from Fordham. And that that's really undergraduate. I went to Fordham and it was extraordinary. I had a remarkable mentor named Joe Jazewski at Fordham. That's in the Bronx, right? Well, I I went to the Lincoln Center branch. That's where the theater program is. Oh, so you're right in the middle. You're right there. That's why I wanted to go. Yeah. And then I went off to Yale School of Drama. So you got into Yale. Well, it's the Yale School of Drama. Yeah. No, I know, but that's hard. Well, it's it's hard because. Because they take, think about, you know, hashtag me too back yeah. then, they took 10 men and six women. Right. Now it's equal, of course. Yeah. 10 and 10, I think. Yeah. But, yes. What was the, do you remember your audition? Yes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I'm never going to forget it. I did it. Julia ripping up the letter from Gentlemen of Verona. hmm And I did a scene from The Wool Gathers. A play written in like the eighties. Really? The Who wrote wool, that? I can't remember. That's sad. The Wool Gatherer. W O O. How did you find that play? Well, because it was a popular play that had okay. just been done on yeah. Broadway or yeah. off Broadway, out. You know, and it had this beautiful monologue. So I remember this. I worked my ass off on them. Yeah. And and I got in. You know, I don't know. Everyone said, "Oh, you need connections. You need connections." I said, oh, okay, but I'm going to just try, and maybe I don't need connections. just worked and worked. I just worked very hard on my auditions. You knew exactly what you were doing when you went in there. Well, yeah, sort of. You know, you take the train to New Haven, and I had these shoes on that were too big, and I... (laughs) (laughs) Because I'd borrowed some dance shoes. I mean, like, you know, like characters, like blacks, they were too big, and... I for the to, actual character. Well, no, just to walk in kind of looking, oh. you know, like an actress. And right. Wrap black skirt. You're acting like an actress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had my hair. Uh-huh. I don't know. You did it. <laughs> you got, it works. Yeah, yes. Earl Kister, they let me in, yeah. Well, I mean, I realize that, you, you know, when you audition for that place, you really have to have your shit together. Because I actually auditioned for it, and I was sort of half drunk, half high. Oh, that's and, not, that's, well, I, that, well, you never but, know. <laughs> and I, I took some chances that I was not prepared to take, really, and I got very nervous. And I knew. It's very nerve-wracking. Well, I knew going in that, like, the whoever was going on before me, this woman, was, like, doing this work. Like, oh. I saw her, like, you know, like, doing face work and moving oh. her hands. Like, she was- Jazz like, hands. I don't know yeah. what it was. It wasn't quite jazz <laughs> hands. It was scary hands. So it was okay. sort of like, she was, like, getting into something. And I'm like, I'm not ready for I this. I did. Don't you hate when your spirit gets crushed before you go into no, the room from the tough. other guy standing there? No. I know. I, I, I tried to- I remember I actually didn't stay in a bubble. I kind yeah. of did take in everybody and thought, okay, I'm here. Yeah. And uh, but it's very nerve wracking. And um, what does it mean to get in there? Who was the guy that uh, was in charge then? Earl Gister ran the acting program then. Yeah. And uh, Lloyd Richards was the dean. Lloyd Richards was right. the dean I remember at that, name, that time. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but there were great, there were great teachers. Who was amazing. in your class? Well, uh, Mr. Big, Chris Noth, um, uh, Dylan Baker, uh-huh. Jane Atkinson, uh, great. Playwright, you know Richard Greenberg was. Uh-huh. He's still one of my dearest best friends. Um, Evan Yanoulis, great, who now runs Juilliard. Um, uh, Michael Engler, great director. There was a really remarkable collection of people and great costume designers, and uh-huh. you know people have gone on to do Catherine Zuber, you know who's won like fourteen Tonys now or something. So like when so that was the full education. It was amazing. Yeah. It was it was brutal, eighteen hour days, but 
I, I soaked it all in. I was young. Sometimes people would wait a year or two to go to Yale. Yeah. But I graduated Fordham and I, in May and started Yale in September. And I think that was helpful because I was ready. I was already in a very scheduled and regulated environment and I didn't have too much time to kind of fatten up, you know. Right. I really, or get lazy. Or, yes, or, or, I just, I started, you know, I had two months off and went right in. And you were, and you felt kind of, uh, well, I mean, you ha- how, how was the training of Fordham? I mean, was it oh, pretty Oh, Fordham intense? was remarkable in that yeah. I had this incredible man named Joe Jezeski who took me under his wing. And remember, I entered as a junior. And yeah. He took me under his wing, and and I was able to do remarkable things. I did had a gabbler and betrayal, but Ford, but Yale made me into just Earl said, "You're I'm gonna I'm gonna take all of you out of your comfort zones, and you're gonna play a young leading lady or an ingenue or whatever. You're gonna play this or the pretty girl, but then I'm gonna put you." I'm going to let you play like the bod in Pericles. I'm going to make you play a 300-pound Cajun mama. Uh-huh. You know, I'm going to you're going to play an 8-year-old murderer. Yeah. You're going to play <laughs> you're going to play you're going to sing. I uh, don't sing. Yeah. Uh you're going to do everything that is going to shake you and shift you and I thought I was a very dramatic serious actress and I found a sense of humor at, yeah. at, at Yale. Like a wild spirit, yeah. And we had this crazy Romanian third third year, Andre Belgrado, brilliant, brilliant man. And we did like Ionesco and yeah. Sartre, and yeah. you know, just these, this wild, crazy shit. And it was amazing. So that so that whole process, you know, you tran- it forces you to transcend all these weird fears yes. and insecurities, and you have to sort of show up for it, even if it's horrible and scary. Yes, and there's no, there was no film training at the time. It was all theater. It was all about yeah, but. The training was so remarkable that it prepared you for any medium. Sure. I mean, acting is acting. Yeah. And I think um, if you know, if you're, it's about confidence and it's about knowing who, Yale taught me who I was, who I am. Deeply. Deeply. To have confidence and believe in myself and my abilities so that I can go any which way. I can go to the darkness or the lightness. Yeah. And and know that you've navigated the territory before mm-hmm. a little bit that you have yes. a a foundation that's not going to let you get lost. No, no. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I don't think I ever thought about it that way. Because a lot of sort of religious systems, the idea is to sort of you know annihilate the ego somehow. Yes. And it seems like that by taking all those risks and in, in, inhabiting all those different possibilities that you do at, at least push your ego aside. Yes, and you kind of got to show up with your true self and 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 which is what is most important in acting is you know often that is the foundation yeah. of is so much uh, we can shift physically um and externally yeah but i think at the core we have to have the emotional life always present and that emotional life being present comes from really knowing your own emotional life having some handle yes, on it having and having access to it right it's, and I guess it's not great to have a lot of unresolved chaos, but maybe it is. <laughs> well, if you can access it at the right time. <laughs> not just, it, as long as it's not all permeating all the time. Yeah. As long as it's not always on top of your fellow actors and directors and crew. <laughs> <laughs> Which you've seen. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
But like, what about like accents and stuff? Because I like I, I was high art. Like, how do you do that? Well, I, I that was a big movie for you, yes. right? Yes. Well, it shifted. You know, it was I, it was fortunate at thirty eight to have your whole life shifted by yeah. this great character named Greta and um, and Lisa Cholodenko. You know, the director, the great director. Yes. And like, but you, you say shifted, but you you sort of like, what was the? How did it begin? Did you start on stage? Yes, I I started. Uh, well, I started on stage. Yeah. Uh, like Broadway. I did have a Broadway gig pretty early out. Mm-hmm. I, I did replace Julie Haggerty in, in um, uh, House of Blue Leaves, but then I got cast in The Untouchables, like in 1986. Yeah. I met Brian De Palma, and I adored him. In New York? I still do. Yeah, I, I auditioned. I went and auditioned for Mrs. Ness, Mrs. Yeah. You know, Catherine Ness. I remember, Ness. yeah. So I, you know, I began in theater and started doing some films. How old were you when you did uh, Untouchables? 26, I think, when I, or 25 or 26 when I shot it. I haven't talked to too many people about De Palma. I've talked to some actors about other people, but you've actually worked with De Palma early mm-hmm. on, and then like Scorsese mm-hmm. later, and those yes. were, they were of that crew. Oh, yes. And that in The Untouchables was sort of a, a later, almost kind of resurgence movie for for him in a way, right? I remember it was a, you know, it was sort of, I remember it was kind of interesting that, you know, he had decided to remake that and that, you know, let's yeah. see. Um, the Untouchables, yes. Yeah, so, it was 87. It came out in 87. Right. Well, I mean, Body Double was 84. A- yeah, Blowout body... was 81. Dress to Kill was 80. 80, yeah. Carrie was 78. Yeah. Like, so, like, he was sort of way into the career. And, like, what was, how did that work? You auditioned for a casting director and then I, you went I, in for I him? auditioned for the great Lynn Stallmaster, uh-huh. one of the, you know, the great. Uh, gentleman of of the casting world, he's gone now. But um, it, he and he, I came in and I was, I had on like my hair done and some makeup on and yeah. a dress. And he said, just come back, come back and meet Brian, but don't wear any makeup. And I'm yeah. southern. I was like, ah, and don't do anything to your hair. Yeah, I was like ah, and he said, wear like a simple girl dress like yeah. A, yeah i said right. oh god okay <laughs> i did yeah and i walked in the room and and brian there was a reader there but brian de palma actually read the scene with me oh he played that's always a good he played sign. elliot ness it's and, comforting and he was so sweet i, I think he liked the juxtaposition yeah like the way i looked and the way i sounded yeah i think he, he liked that i had this kind of deep voice but i looked <laughs> kind of like a mom yeah right <laughs> So I, I don't know. He, I, I got cast pretty. I then had to fly to Chicago to meet Kevin Costner, and they cast me in the room. And they said, "You've got the part." And, and it, as I walked out, they ran and got me. And Kevin said, "Congratulations!" And I, and I called my agent. And they were like, "No, no, no, no. They never do that. They never do." I said, "No, no, no. They what, did." What did they think you were lying? That yeah, you had a hallucination? No. Like, yeah. I was like, that no, can't no, no. be. No, I think they just told me I got the part. Yeah. And I'm flying home, and I had to go back. I missed the matinee, and I flew back to do the evening performance of House of Blue Leaves. Yeah. And but but you're all excited. Yes, uh, that I must was, have I was, yeah. reinvigorated everything. Yeah, it was exciting. Now, was Cosner a nice guy? Yeah. Oh, yes. And, you know, handsome and crazy and sexy. Yeah. yeah he's lovely. I still know him. And, yeah? Yeah. Because uh, he's just, he said a lot to do with New Orleans after the BP oil spill. He had this. And so, but I've, I've uh, he, he, my nephew has worked with him. And so I, um, 
He's a good man. Kevin. Who's your nephew? My nephew is uh, Mac Allsfeld, and he's um, he's just to die for. Uh, he's a, a comedy writer. He writes for Melissa McCarthy sometimes, yeah. and he. But he's a, just a, a one man band. He write, act, and direct, and he's trying to get his movies made. So that's exciting. He's like a lot of people in this industry, he needs that break. Well, does he? Has he casted you? Well, he hasn't. He hasn't got anything quite. Up on its feet yet, but I'll be in as one of his movies someday, I hope. Please, God. <laughs> so, The Untouchables is the first movie, and then you go from that right to Clint Eastwood? Yes, I go to dead, to Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, Clint doesn't cast in the room. You you go on tape, and I got a call that you're cast. I said, oh, my God. Yeah, I hear he's sort of like, kind of like a very efficient efficient and he expects you to oh, show no, up way here i you work. know i was the female lead of that show yeah and i had i'm playing a reporter a journalist i had big scenes yeah big monologues i mean big dialogue yeah and i do one take and he goes mm, that was good for me was it good for you <laughs> <laughs> and i'd be like uh, okay <laughs> Some of what is in that movie is one day. Really? And I remember that was my second movie. Like, I wasn't like some cinema actress. I was like far from it. Yeah. I mean, I was still quite green. Yeah. Still struggling a little, but oh my God. But I, it. it, Did you watch it? The Deadpool? I have seen the film, yes. No, but I mean, did you like, you know, in, 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 as. Were you able to separate that experience and see that it was the right take? I mean, get, were there moments where you like there I were moments? Done that. Yes, there, there, some some of it was shocking that mm-hmm. it was I got it right on that one take, right. and then some of it I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. could have done, better. you know, yeah. really big hair and some really bad acting. <laughs> it <doesn't>, <laughs> it's amazing I have any kind of career now. <laughs> People don't know who are watching it, though. That's a, it's an odd thing sometimes. Like you can get really hung up on one little scene, but it, you know people are involved in I the know. movie. They're I not going. You, you know what I mean? They're not like no, no. no. This was Dirty Harry. It was Liam Neeson's first film. It was Jim Carrey's first film. Yeah. So and then you did TV too. I did some TV. I did some cable movies. Episodic stuff. And uh, no, I didn't really. I did Spencer for Hire, which was the uh, first. Spencer. Yeah. What was that guy's um, name? The uh, actor Ulrich. Robert Ulrich. Urich. Robert Robert Urich. The nicest man. And yeah. I did another movie with him. And then he unfortunately passed away shortly after that. Um, it's funny when you talk when people talk about these TV actors. You, you know, a lot of times. They're they're always nice, and they're like some of them. Like I, I was talking to somebody about Frank uh, William Conrad about oh, Cannon. Yeah, and you know these guys at a certain point in their career, they they show up. They're barely there, and they. <laughs> they but just, Robert York was very. Pre- he was very. Um, he just was kind, but yeah. he he probably had a slight element of phoning it in, but not really. But he was very drawn to like the actors in the scene and what was happening and yeah. and he couldn't believe that I had never acted that was the first thing I did before The Untouchables was my first movie but right. I did Spencer for Hire yeah that was the first thing <laughs> you ever did and he couldn't believe he, he thought the crew was pulling his leg when they said she's never been in front of a camera he was like come on Oh yeah. So I'd be like, okay. I'd be like, wait, wait, where's where yeah, are right. you going? Okay, just stand right here, and then you're going to move there. Okay, okay. 
<laughs> but you did have all that. Like that's where, like certainly in TV, that's where theater training helps. I mean, well, getting, was, hitting and, your fucking but mark. It, and but stuff, it also, and, and, it, and it, I had confidence, certain kind of confidence that I could. Okay, I can, I can do this. You know, it's all about the pretend. Yeah, it's pretend. I know. It's, 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 the, it's all about just entering another world, right? And existing. Yeah as best as you can in that world. Do you do things when, like, because I talk to actors now and I started talking to them more and it's hit or miss, but like I, you know, because when I started doing more acting, I was like, give me a lesson. What do I got to do? But really it comes down to that. It's like, just be present and pretend. <laughs> yes. PP. <laughs> That's it. That's the system. The PP. I wish it was a third P. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll have to find a third P. The three P's. It always seems to come in three, the letters. Yeah. But PP is, yeah, different yeah. in, Yeah. But are there things that you make sure you do when you enter a set or a scene? Like, you know, I I mean, like, we'll get back to the accent thing, because that to me is like, that That seems like, how do you, I don't know how to do that. How, how would you, it's a confidence thing, well, I guess. Well, it's more right? technical, but then you have to make it less technical. But anyway, but is there anything like, I do? Well, with, like, do you, like, say, like, okay, here I am, those are that guy's yeah, shoes, you right. know, there's yes. the camera guy. Says, and, yes, yes. But I work in a. I think someone told me a French way. I think I, everybody in the in the crew and in the scene is in the scene. Mm. I don't think of it as, you know. Of course, I don't want excess people in my distracting you. You know, in my sight lines. But but everybody is a part of the scene, especially in emotional scenes. Uh, I think it's important. Everybody, you mean the the crew, the, the, crew, the cameraman, everybody's in there oh, yeah. with you. Everybody's in it and part of it. Huh. So it's I. So you don't get self conscious and start to break down. Right. The the emotional life you've built for this character. Right. It's all kind of one. And I usually, when I'm doing an emotional scene, I usually stay in the scene even while they relight it or adjust the camera. Really? Yeah. You just hold the emotion. I just hold stay. The focus. I stay in the world. I stay right. in the oh, world yeah, yeah, that yeah. I've pretended myself to get into or right, whatever right. I've, I've entered and but i i like i stay on the set as much as i can yeah it, i think it's that aids me it's just to what aids me yeah and some people it's best with different. like when they go to Sleep. lunch you're, you're no I, gonna... I go to lunch <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna be here on the couch yeah i'm just gonna stay in here. character yes <laughs> <laughs> so the how was the the shift in in into high art like, cause that's like that's what, that that character is pretty great, kind of loopy, guy. strung that's out, great. like a uh, you know aristocratic German well, weird uh, hip. It's not even no, a hipster. No, was she it? was just a yeah. Oh, you think she was a, a hanger on, washed up? How did you well, kind of put kind of her together? Washed, just failing. Yeah. And a heroin addict yeah. and losing her life, her career, yeah. her love of her life. Yeah. And um, you know I'm. As an actor, I think we always think everything has to be close to us. I'm none of those things. You know, I'm sadly not lesbian. I'm not German. I've never do even smoked pot. Yeah. I've never done any drug. And yeah. yet, here I am playing a heroin addict. Well. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I I understood her. I understood Greta emotionally. Uh -huh. I understood that life. I was 38 at the time. I had struggled in this industry for the first time through some of my 30s. Yeah. Which why what happened? I just couldn't get a great job after know, after the Untouchables and well, the Deadpool. Well, yeah, Deadpool, and then I did a couple of other things, and then I was on Broadway in a great play, Eastern Standard, and I suddenly found myself really struggling. Yeah, and I think it's important to get work to, for people. To know, I think people are like, oh my God, you worked all your life. I didn't. I had struggles in my thirties, very some really big struggles to and, get a, to get a job that I really to get a good job. Right, and. 
And what so, what was the existential like? What because I, I you know I've been through that in, in the career you've chosen, and you don't really have a backup plan. When you were in the darkness, what was the well, thought? Well, fortunately, I had made some money, <laughs> right? And and I had some money to live on yeah. while I. And I did a couple of cable movies that we won't talk about. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Like actors have these shameful things they've done that are completely available to watch. But like, I don't, I don't even know what happened there. I'm I don't not. Think. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, um, but I, I struggled. But I had the support of like my family and my sisters and my friends, yeah. and I had great friends. And it is, and so I struggled for about I think it was like three years, and then so finally when I got to high art I did this small independent film that I still is one of the greatest things I've ever done called Pharaoh's Army with Chris Cooper which if you ever like Chris Cooper's night, kind of a genius I haven't genius. seen him lately it was his first like big break really and I gotta watch it's it it's called Pharaoh's Army is directed by Robbie Henson and it is a beautiful beautiful what's film. it about it's about the Civil War and it's this small tiny he took the Civil War and distilled it to one farm yeah a uh, a uh, S- Southern woman. Yeah. It's Kentucky, so it's yeah. brother against brother, but yeah. it's a Union soldiers come in. My father's, my husband is all fighting. I have a son, uh-huh. a young son, and a Union, five Union soldiers come in to my, yeah. t- and take my farm from me. Yeah. And Chris is the leader. Uh-huh. And he is breathtaking in this. He's breathtaking. And it's a beautiful, tiny, quiet, extraordinary little film Robert Joy is yeah. in it it's it's this really remarkable film and he, Robbie Henson shot it in Kentucky in Danville Kentucky he and his father built the cabin that I live in the farm wow hand built all of yeah. it it's really one night if I'm you remember it's called it. yeah. Pharaoh's Army and and that was sort of in that creatively that was so a turning I did point that for right, you I did that right I got yeah. Pharaoh's Army and it re it brought me back to life. Yeah, it saved me. It is not weird it how one thing ex- can do that. It was this extraordinary time. I went to I met Chris Cooper. I got to act with Chris Cooper, which and and Robert Joy and these other great actors in this piece. And it was as though I had uh, I had been on life support and I was taken off and lived. And it's, and it's so wild. And it was just, and then after that, I got high art because that was like when I was like thirty six, yeah. thirty seven, and then I got high art. Whew. Isn't that wild though, Cal? Like you know that that you know as an actor, you're kind of at the behest of of the job, right? Mm-hmm. So and you, you need to take jobs, oh, you and you do. can only find you know so much satisfaction or creative uh, uh, passion for for you know that the job is going to enable you to do without being completely delusional. So once you start doing things that don't satisfy you. It's so horrible because it it spins you out into kind of like it. A, well, it put it puts you in a place, yeah. a less than place, and it starts right. to you, everything starts to deteriorate. Right, right. All the things, the foundations you had, all start to crumble. It, yeah. is, it, you know, and, and you find yourself in this almost gothic situation. Like <laughs> every you know, forces are working against me, and my you know, and, and, show business and, is horrible. And, and, and but it it. The facade, yeah, and and it is important in 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 this industry that we have a facade, you right? Know, we we have to have an exterior, right? And and but we have to have a very strong interior, yeah. of, of course. And but when everything starts to crumble, but then the beauty of our industry is that great art 
does save us. <laughs> yeah, right. That takes that one thing to just sort of one re. Thing. It takes one great director, one great actor, one great writer. Yeah, one. You know, it takes great people around you, and suddenly the world is a different color. And then know? it, and then you got to just hit it again. Mm-hmm. You got high art. I got high art, and I. So you were saying that you related to her on some level. Yes, I understood, Greta. I understood her pain, yeah. as corny as that sounds. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean... I yeah. did. Yeah. I just understood her uh, her wry slides. Yeah, the sort of like, kind of, uh, you know, kind of romantic nihilism. Yes, abso- right. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And what did you do to sort of like research heroin? Um, I met with a heroin addict, a former heroin addict. Is that where they brought in as a consultant? Well, I just... <laughs> or as a friend? I, I found someone that... <laughs> I, I happened to know someone, yeah. tangentially. That right. Was. And I also... What you know, I this is as an actor. I used what was happening. We were in the biggest. It was eight. It was ninety eight, and it was one of the biggest heat waves in the history of New of New York. Yeah, and we were in Brooklyn with yeah. no money. Yeah, and I had on pleather pants. Yeah, and <laughs> so you're I, naturally woozy. <laughs> I I just used all of what was happening. Just yeah, the heat. The exhaustion. We were shooting, you know, fifteen, sixteen-hour days, yeah. and coming back, going home, and coming back. And yeah. We were just it, uh, just the 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 actual the externals became my internals. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And I that's what I used to to find and form Greta. Every day I'd get on the set and. <laughs> to nod Start out. to tip, <laughs> and that's what and that's what you're talking about before. That it's all present. It's all part of the scene. Everything yeah. that surrounds us is in the scene with us. And then you had a, and then you had some. And then all of a sudden, you were different. You were like in the game I was again, in the game. doing a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, I did Green Mile. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah. I did I did it? Does so many things. The Pledge. That's a miss. That yeah. that movie is like sort of. It's a bizarre movie. It's like it's like it's a real art movie. It is, but it's beautiful. Film. Yeah, and you work with Sean as a I director. Work with Sean as a director. I had to fly to, all the way to outside of Vancouver. Yeah, and and like cry and weep for three days, <laughs> and, and get back on a plane. I swear to God, <laughs> I had to fly in because my child is murdered. Yes. I had to fly in, have a murdered child yeah. for three days. Yeah. I had, what, two scenes or something, and then fly back out home. That was it. I remember I, I, <laughs> <laughs> flying home, there wasn't enough free wine. <laughs> <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> Once I got on that plane, <laughs> I just thought, they were like, would you like dinner? I was like, no. <laughs> Just keep the Chardonnay near. <laughs> so, like, it's been pretty satisfying. So I kept going. You yeah. Know. Well, it, that's, the, you know, but it doesn't mean that I haven't had struggle or something. No, no, you know, no. That I haven't had that. Um, uh, heartbreak. And yeah. Personally heartbreak. and <laughs> emotionally and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, professionally and personally. I mean, it's what keeps us going. It's, it's always. Don't, but don't you get to a point, man, where you just like, do, do I have to go through that again? Yes. That's what we think. 
And we I, say, I mean, oh, like, here I am again. With relationships or work yes, or whatever. with relationships and work. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm just too old for this. Right. <laughs> and then you like, you're sort of like, I, you know what? And I'm weeping every night, like broken hearted. And I'm like, I'm too old for this. But it doesn't stop. But it doesn't. And you can't protect yourself because when you try to protect yourself, it's like, is there a way I can just go halfway and be (laughs) and be and just ride that? I've done a lot of halfway. (laughs) (laughs) It's worse because then you're not heartbroken, but you're full of resentment. Yes, and you start to die inside. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, oh, I can't do this either. Yeah, I can't. You can't do either. It's, you got to put uh, yourself out there yes. and just get your heart stepped on. Yes. Good. Well, that's yeah. great. Good for you yeah. out there with your heart. <laughs> How are you now? Are you in a, are you in the middle of a heartbreak or you're right? No, I'm not in the middle of a heartbreak. I'm I'm very uh, I'm feeling very good. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> feeling very uh, fifty nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm uh, I'm happy. I I, I good. I you have, seem happy. I have uh, uh, lovely people in my life. Plural. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> That's good. Many of them. Surround yourself with lovely yes, people. 14. <laughs> Very Actually, exciting life. What time is it? I've got, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got lovely people to hook up with. <laughs> I'm in Glendale. Actually, you know, one is in Glendale. <laughs> good. What, is in, what are you near? A thousand? Oak? No. You want to text them? Whoever? No, no. But like far from heaven, though, like with that, when, they, when you were presented with that project, what was your reaction to his vision? Like immediately, like because it's like a very well, specific his thing. Other films, and They're but like, I I could see that it was um, almost a painting, almost yeah, a, a technicolor uh, painting. Do you know they actually painted the leaves? I mean, the 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 artistry that went into the, yeah. just the physical production of yeah. that movie was astonishing. They painted the leaves he outside. Just, he wanted that Douglas Cirque thing. Yeah, Douglas Cirque, and he achieved it. He did. He did. And uh, Julianne Moore, who I have not talked beautiful, to, who beautiful. I fucking love. Amazing. And she's everything you think she is. Really? Yes. Now, like, she's like a, a gal, just a, a true, real, beautiful person. But yeah. as an actress, you know, deeply well-trained and Very deeply trained. in control of her yes. trip. And a real, a consummate professional, we... I loved working with her. We were two gals who, you know, two broads who were like, let's just, let's shoot. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, and, and in that environment, he's like, I, he, like as a director, like when I talked to him, he was one of those people where, you know, I've, I've taken these, I've talked to these directors who create things that are, you know, uh, dense and, and, and take risks and not immediately understandable. And, you know, just to sort of like, and I end up just sort of like, just explain <laughs> and they they don't they they follow their vision. Well, the vision didn't impact. I don't think right. the actual acting. Well, that was you know, I think was one of the most controlled it, things. It, he it did. was very. It was a very controlled. That our our marks I remember were very precise. Right. You know the great cinematographer Edward. You know, uh, we had to. It was very crafted. Yeah. But within the scenes themselves, we still had to be present and emotional and uh, connected and, yeah you know the last thing he wanted was us to be lifted right uh, in some way yeah i thought i thought that was like at, at t- up to that point it was really the most kind of controlled film he'd made because he yes. made some movies that were sort of like like safe you watch safe and i'm like what what is this 
What's, what's happening? <laughs> I, I like that. Film. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I know, but, but like, the, but and I and I, it took me for some reason longer to realize that, like, you know, art is not going to make sense all the time, no. and you just have to let it hit you and and do what you will with it. Now, and it's a memorable movie, mm-hmm. but like, I couldn't really exactly tell you what it's about. No, I know she had problems. <laughs> <laughs> What, yes. Well, but what was Lars Van Trier, Trier? What was that working with that guy? Well, that was crazy because what was it? Do- What's it called? Dogville. Yeah. And um, you know he's a true eccentric, uh-huh. and you know that movie. Yeah. You know, remember we had just chalk outlines of our houses, and everything was mimed. And but you know my father went to see it, and my father is you know my uh, father. This is going to be good. <laughs> And you know how we had to pretend opening the doors and pretend we had like a kitchen or a bedroom or right. pretend. That's so hard. But, but but my father saw it and he was like, Patty, I think you needed doors. <laughs> <laughs> that was his only note? Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's perfect so you had to mime a whole movie we had to mime everything yeah we had to mime our actions and our things we had certain things that were real like remember when i break the little creatures of her and, yeah 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 but we we had to mime going in and did you have any out. experience with mime some at yale but we were kind of like oh sure okay yeah, yeah, we yeah, got, yeah. i got it, it i got elective. it yeah yeah, yeah I, i've got it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay we're going to lunch okay yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I, well, that's one of those risks, like you know, like the, like heading into a movie like that, where you realize like this is crazy, yeah. but because of the work you put in place, it's like I've done crazy things yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but this character, like the like the, this uh, sharp object thing, it's it's almost like a modern gothic thing. Yes. Yeah. Now, when you play like a monster who's charming, <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah. like how much do you like? Is is it all in the script for you? Like, um, do you start there? Like, you're like, well, this is I, a- I, I, it, it does, it has to begin there. Yeah. And I had um, exquisite writing. I did. Right. And, and from there, uh, I, you know, I've spoken about Adora often, and she's, she's is one of the most complicated characters I've ever played. And of course, I've, I've played Blanche Dubois and the two are kindred spirits yeah, that's in right, felt very that. different ways. Yeah. But, but so, but Gillian is her own voice and um, and and Marty Knox and the, there was a team of exquisite writers. And so I benefited from having this remarkable character and dialogue. This was, uh, Gillian Flynn created this character. Yeah. And yet I think it became more expansive from the book, and she let it go to those, um, the darker and the darkness and the lightness kind of melding, and the struggles of a woman who, it's a cyclical violence, it's generational violence, it's the abuse of my mother wrought wrought on me and my, that I, moving forward, my own children. But I, 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 you can't really, if you're in a gothic world, you can't think of it as gothic. And Jean-Marc Vallée is the most on-the-ground, uh, feet-on-the-ground director, one of the most um, visceral, emotional directors I've ever worked with, and improvisational and loose and free. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, and I loved that because this character could have been almost statuesque, right, right, and almost. Um, but he kept my he kept my feet slightly off the ground, mm. and uh, it gives I, it like you know you believe that you live in the house, and you like oh. you, it's not you, you, yeah, it's interesting. That house, first of all, the production designer was yeah, I, he should win an Emmy. Um, it, it it that house was it, it was all built. It wasn't anything that was all built. Mm-hmm. And but that house was, I think it was haunted truly. <laughs> wow! And uh, it had a life of its own. And every time I entered, something um, would come through me. And it was my house. It was hard to leave it actually, hmm. but it did help inform me and help carry me through just the nature of it. And but it was, you know, a door is um, um, a. a uh, to be at the age I am and to still have people demanding um, uh, such an expansive um, uh, range uh, from you is exactly what you want. Yeah. Because what else, you know, I've done so much work at this point and I'm, I, I, I want, I hate the word, but I want the challenge. I want, I, I just didn't know if I could do this. Really? Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I I thought, my goodness, mm. but I, I, I never judged her. Yeah, never, never, never. I guess you really can't. You cannot. You Anybody cannot. you play, I couldn't. Because then you you diminish the possibility for her humanity. Yes, and that's what I thought was important. Is yeah, that you know, this is a woman who has monstrous deeds, who does monstrous deeds, but you know, in the end, is she? She's probably just as screwed up as everybody else. Yeah, you have to, it has to be somehow, it has I mean, to be she's empathetic she's mentally somehow. ill. Yeah, and, man, yeah. and, and there was no one really to save her, sadly, because right. there was no one really to take care of her. Uh-huh. Because her husband is complicit, so. Right. Is, they, aren't they always? <laughs> That's why I don't have one. <laughs> Either way, everyone's complicit. If, if shit is bad, takes two to tango, man. That's what they say. But like after playing somebody like Blanche, do you like? Was that a resource? Yes. Yeah, I found, I found the lack of oxygen at times very Blanche-like. Now, when you do someone like Blanche Dubois, I mean, this is something a role that has been played by many people. Yes. So when you approach something like that. You, you know, how do you how do you find the mechanics of a character like Blanche has been played a million times? Well, again, you have to come at it for what you know. I had to come at it from my life, from my existence, my Southern upbringing. Mm-hmm. My, I had to bring to bear the life I had lived. And, you know, Blanche required every molecule of yeah. you. And I honestly believe that Tennessee William wrote the part as such that you, the actress playing it, yeah. somewhat does really have a nervous breakdown. I I could barely function while I did it. I, really? All I could do was lie in bed all day. Yeah. And then go to the theater, and then I'd go out at night, and maybe have some bourbon, and then go home and go to bed. And I would be in bed all day with huh. my dog. Yeah. I had an assistant. Yeah. Who would walk my dog, and then I'd go to the theater. That's so- all I did. So it's a, it's a role you have to survive. <laughs> yes. And you loved it? I don't know that love is the word. Um, <laughs> I lived it, and and I um, 
I'm thankful I had that experience. It's one of those things, it's like, uh, I guess, as an actor, to be in a real production of that play it's kind of like an Olympiad, <clears throat> you, you know, like you're like yes. an Olympic athlete. It's Three like hours. I've trained, you know, and, and this I is... had to remain. I had to keep blinders on because if I for a second thought every night when I would start, you know, I was told to take a streetcar named Zaya, um, travel. I, I, I thought I used to remember the open line. I was told to take a streetcar named Zaya, ride six blocks and get off at a Legion field. And so... I remembered, I, I, I would, I could just, I just had to get myself there. I couldn't think about where I had to go. Yeah. And similar with Adora, I didn't think about where Adora was going. I took her one day at a time, one moment at a time. Yeah. And and had to just uh, keep her as buoyant as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in order before the darkness descended, but same with Blanche, you know. But with Blanche, you had to do it every night. <sighs> with well, the... six. It was we did we did a, we had a brutal schedule. It was you know it was the Kennedy Center. It was eight shows a week, and so we did a an off Broadway schedule. We did Friday to Saturday to Sunday. Oh my God! So they basically had a stretcher for me every Sunday night. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and an IV of bourbon and. Um, <laughs> I would yeah. basic. I would. I was uh, somewhat carried out of the theater. It was tough, but it was amazing. And and is it recorded? Uh, I don't know. That. I don't think. Oh God! Please don't look at. It. Uh, I. I don't. I. They might have recorded. Huh. It might be somewhere in the archives of of uh, Kennedy Center. Uh, but it was never like really put together as. A... No, it was never like on PBS or something. Now, are you able to like do these more fun TV shows? Yeah. You know, like uh, you know, Broad City, and oh, Parks Broad and Rec and stuff. Oh, Broad City was divine. But, I mean, but, Broad City, those girls. But you're able to kind of like, well, that's going to be fun. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I played this like angry alcohol. Like, just I had to show up for two hours <laughs> and play this just, yeah, yeah, you know, just this raging, uh, horrible, like drunken. Hostess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I love doing comedy and doing yeah. SNL, doing Mother Lover. I mean, I love doing comedy. The other thing I forgot to ask you about was uh, the Shutter Island business. Oh yes, well that was what a what a moment. Again, getting to work with Leo and Marty. Um, Leo's pretty good, huh? Oh, he's <laughs> yes, he's he's intense, and yet he has a great sense of humor. Did so. you see that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes. Oh my God! Like he was like, I don't care what anyone says about anything about that movie. It's just like he's like, what is that? I know. There's like the the the, the levels of the thing, but all of them are great. I thought Brad. Oh yeah, Brad. definitely. But like that, even like that last scene at the gate, it was like it, like I couldn't believe it. I know. I don't even know. But he, he's a shapeshifter, Leo. Leo really can, he's a very handsome man. And yeah. he can, he, he, thankfully he wasn't trapped in that. You know, he's played, he's done, he's been able to really be a character, like a leading yeah. man. But that's the best part of our industry is when we are no longer trapped by the externals. We become, we're better actors when our, than who, when, who we are, what we look like fades, yeah. and we become because I think then our real spirits emerge. I think our real, you know, our joie de vivre right. comes roaring out of us. Right, because like there's a couple things. It's like you know, time mm -hmm. is getting shorter, and you you don't give us a fuck about as much. No, you don't. 
So there's a freedom you know, in that. There's a freedom, a real freedom. And he, you know, but he also gets to work with, you know, great directors. Sure. And, and Scorsese was great? And yes, of course. He's an actor's, actor's, actor's director a million times over. He, he loves actors and he's so remarkable with them and creates such a conducive environment to... Mm to be free and crazy and loose and you never want to leave the set. You yeah. just don't because it's just, you know, just try it again do this. Yeah. You know, wait, 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 wait. He's excitable. Go over there. No, yeah, no, yeah. come in. What are you, what are you, take out your canteen. Take out, you got a canteen. I was like, yeah, I got it. I have a wound on my leg. I was like, I can't walk yet. I mean, we just, <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had not, here I am, just this woman in a cave. It was, Wild. Yeah. It was wild, but exhilarating. Yeah. Exhilarating. Um, do you, Are you a shapeshifter? I hope so. I hope I can be at times. It seems I like think you are. I want to become other people, but still have a part of me in there. Yeah, I think that's a unique... I think you are one, but I, not, not certainly it's it's not... Not all actors are, and it's no. a rare thing that yeah. people who can really inhabit... But I think more people in this industry are wanting to be that. Mm. I think more people are fighting against what they look like and what a studio might want that, to preserve in them. Well, there's no studio and, anymore. It's yeah. like everything's <laughs> breaking apart. Well, you can... in a way, I mean, independent film, big, you know, is really on the rise. Sure. It, it is taking over. Well, I mean, The Station Agent was an independent movie, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, very. We yeah. shot it for $500,000. Are yeah. you kidding me? I mean, yeah. It was huge. It was huge. It yeah. was that little film, the little film that could. Beautiful. So yeah. what's going on now? What are you working on um, other than promotion? I'm... I'm attached to this beautiful film um, uh, that I'm. We're hoping we get the financing yeah. together. <laughs> um, directed by um, Andrea Paloro. Mm. He did Hannah with um, Charlotte Rampling, a beautiful Italian director, and it's a remarkable movie. Oh and, yeah, uh, um, remarkable. He's a stunning director. So I'm in the process of hoping to get that made. I've got another beautiful film called um, Light on Broken Glass that I'm trying to. Uh, get made, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm attached to a few things. So I'm 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 not working right now. But, You're busy though. But I'm bi I'm not busy. Well, no, not really. Well, you're I, doing you know, great. But things. I have I have I'm I'm you know I'm I'm campaigning. <laughs> there's no there's I think I'm, what I'm trying to say is there's no dread. There's just night. There seems to be like you know projects you want to be involved with, yes. excited yes. about, and you know could happen. But I I think I'm one of many women who are in their late forties, fifties, sixties. We're, we're having a little bit of a heyday now. We we have jobs, we have work, we have yeah. people who really want to hire us yeah. and hire us often. So I'm just I'm on. We're just I'm riding the wave. I saw Alice and Janney the other night. God, she's remarkable. And I'm just gonna ride the wave. You yeah. Know? That's, you should do a movie with her. I'd, I'd, I'd be in heaven. It'd be great. <laughs> I'd be in heaven. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Patricia Clarkson. I love her. I love, I seriously love her. Again, HBO's Sharp Objects. She's great in it. Nominated for the Best Supporting Actress in a Limited Series or Movie category. And, uh, Go look at her resume. Go see some of the movies we discussed. I rewatched High Art. She's fucking great in it. All right. Okay. Are you okay? Go to WTFpod.com slash tour for all the upcoming tour dates. Now I'm going to play some guitar. Some uh, Nick Cavey chords, maybe. 
No echo. Just a little bit of, little bit of crunch. Natural crunch. Natural tube crunch.